rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right, wait a minute. Hello, it's me. What's up? My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. We meet here whenever whenever I can meet here, but usually we meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And then we are rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on the Progressive Voices app, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Please give the show a good review on iTunes. If you don't want to give it a good review, don't even give it a review. All right, I don't come to your job and give you a thumbs down. You might deserve it. You might be having a bad day. But leave me alone. Don't come to my job and tell me I suck. If I, if you think I suck, then you haven't been paying attention. Not just for, to me, but to this effing country that I was born into, the United States of Serfs and Lords. Yeah, I'm pissed. You're right. What's going on there with my hair? And yeah, I wake up all the time and I say to my granny on the other side, I'm like, hey, granny, what the hell were you thinking coming here? Why did you take my father, well, why did you come to Ireland and give birth to my father? I mean, well, no, no, I'm saying it the wrong way. Why did you leave Ireland to give birth to my father in the United States of serfs and lords? Because my father was an anchor baby. She wanted to be an American citizen. And that's how she did it. Anchor babied my dad. The rest of them came over and chained migration. That's okay. We're here. No, it's not okay. Um, I would rather be back there. But then they had FDR at the time. You see? Who could have predicted where it was going to go? We Did we know that we would be in full-blown fascism? And freaking how many years later? 50 years? 75 years later? Probably not. No one could have imagined, just like Twitler always says, that this is something that nobody would have ever seen. Everything is nothing like nobody's ever seen when you're talking to Twitler. He's the greatest, like no one's ever seen, no one's ever seen this, no one ever expected that, no one's ever seen it, no one's ever saw it, no one ever wants to see it. That's really the way it is. No one really wants to put up with this. And what's so... I'm sorry, I'm trying not to curse. Fascinating is that still, given the death, now we've crossed the 140,000 mark. 140,000 Americans dead in less than 90 days. And Twitler wants us to thank him. Oh, thank you, my lord. He wants us, he wants to, us to thank him that it's not a million. Isn't that amazing? That, that low bar. He's, he's really set the standard. Anything less than a million, he's, he's uh, successful. 
And don't tell me, oh my, that is what, that's white privilege in a nutshell. Straight white male privilege, I can't talk, privilege in a nutshell. No way, no woman would be able to get away with that kind of failure. No person who wasn't white could get away with that. No white um, no one who's not a white male, a rich white male, could get away with the death, the failure, the incompetence, the incessant uh, display of incompetence, and still have millions of people vote for him. That, that's why I get depressed, because I'm like, get me the hell out of here. How can I share the same air with such idiots? You know what I mean? But before we get into everything, I want to thank, we got another patron. So I want you guys to keep spreading the word about the show. This is your job. I'll keep showing up here. Your job, I know you don't, you, you just wanted to go and listen to a podcast. You didn't want to have another thing to do. That's how I feel when I go to CVS. You know, they have all these automatic cashiers now. Please put your item in the cart please replace your item in the i'm like i i gotta do this job now i did my job all day now i gotta go be a cashier at cvs it annoys me because it also takes the jobs away from people that's automation right you can't stop progress but it irritates me please replace your item in the bag shut the f up Nothing is easy in this world. This is what they, they hate this. They hate us. They hate the working class. That's how much, that's how little they value us. Sooner or later, it'll be completely automated. We won't even have to have any contact with each other. Maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be happier that way, though. What the hell was that? Where the hell's the cat? Um, I want to thank Camille for... Her patronage, Camille, is the woman who brings us the show tonight. Camille is a new patron, and yeah, thanks, Camille. We're doing the show. Every new patron will do a new show. How about that? So become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin if you want more shows. I would like more shows. It's good for my mental health. So I'm asking you to meet me halfway at least. Try. You don't have to be a patron for a lot. $2 a month? That's nothing. That's a cup of coffee at, at the local deli, not even at Starbucks. All right. Guys, all right. Before we keep going... So become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. Give the show a good review on iTunes. It's been a while since someone has reviewed the show. That makes me sad. So go and review the show. A good review. I don't want any bad reviews. So leave me alone if you want to do a bad review. Okay? Uh, I wanted to say, I wanted to just discuss Michael Brooks who passed away yesterday I was I'm shocked I'm in shock in fact I saw it on Twitter this morning and I screamed no fucking way 
I know I violated my no cursing rule. I cannot believe that this young man who had his best work was ahead of him. And he is and he was a true compatriot in the, what we needed in this country. What, a, a real fighter at the barricades. Um, an important voice in the liberal media landscape. Who, 36 years old? This is another reason I'm doing a show today as well. Nothing is guaranteed. He apparently had some unforeseen medical condition. I cannot believe it. It's shocking. As it is with any young person who suddenly passes away, apparently he didn't know he had this condition either. And he died suddenly and unexpectedly at the age of 36. I didn't know him well. I met him just because we're doing the same things. And I also had the dubious honor. We had a lab. I mean, we shared very little time together. I met him once. We spoke on Facebook through Facebook Messenger because we were Facebook friends. That's the extent of it. I wanted to ask him to come on the show. I never, you know, this is why you don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. And we also had a laugh because we both were blocked by, <laughs> what's that guy's name now that I'm saying it? We both got blocked by, oh God, let me look. I'll look it up in my messages. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. He's somebody that used to be on, he was on MSNBC and they took him off because he was bashing Bernie all the time. And he said that Nina Turner and some other black uh, black women that Bernie had supporting him were from the island of misfit black girls. You know who I'm talking about? Let's see. That's going to annoy me now. And I'm probably annoying you. Jonathan, where is it? Jason Johnson, that's right. Thank you. Yes, Jason Johnson. We both laughed because he he had, <laughs> I heard him, I heard Michael Brooks saying that Jason Johnson had blocked him on Twitter. And Jason Johnson also blocked me on Twitter. So we, I sent him the screen grab of my, of my phone that said it, I was blocked. And I was like, I'm glad I'm in good company. And we laughed about it. But it's, uh, yeah. And the reason Jason Johnson blocked me was because I, I didn't even do anything except I supported Bernie. So, and so did Michael Brooks. So, and I, I said that cause Jason Johnson was bashing Bernie and I sent him a, picture a screen grab of that famous saying first they laugh at you or the gandhi saying first they laugh at you then they fight you wait first they laugh at you then they first they oh first they ignore you first they ignore you then they laugh at you then they fight you and then you win so 
and he blocked me. Whatever. That was the extent. Um, it makes me think how uh, we nothing is guaranteed. I've sat on this show many times. We discussed young people who die in battle, and what a what uh how every day is really. We are all on borrowed time, so we will all end up in, you know, Michael Brooks is just, he, he's on the vanguard of, of that exploration, too, that, that next step, too. And um, it reminds me of years ago, I went to a funeral, not a funeral, I went through a graveyard in... Because I, you guys know I like to go to graveyards. I visit graveyards. I go and um, there's a an amazing graveyard near my house that has that has graves going back to the 1800s. And I was visiting a graveyard in Connecticut, and one of the tombstones. This this particular graveyard went back to the 1600s, so it was really old. And very interesting epitaphs on different tombstones. I like to visit these these graves. I like to think about the people who lived, the lives that they lived, the world they live in, lived in. And one, one woman's headstone that I came across read, Death is a debt to nature due. I have paid it, and so will you. And I think of that, I think of that a lot. We're all here on borrowed time. And it's also why we have a duty. We don't know how long we're going to be here. So we have to make whatever world we've found, and it is in a sorry state. We have to make this world better than we, than we found it and make every day count so i think about uh, thinking about michael brooks is i'm still in shock and i sincerely want to give my condolences to everyone who his family and friends and uh use it as a lesson that the work continues and there is so much work to be done in his name. And i that's what's so sh sad is because he was somebody who was really producing such great work that is so needed. And he was talking about what I think that we talk about here on the show. It's the, is the connection between human beings, that we're all in this together. And how what's so sorely lacking in our in our in our country, especially right now, is that that connection that we're at each other's throats. Greed seems to be the only American value left left uh, to fight over, or left or worthy value that anybody gives any consideration. And we know that there is. That's that, that. That's not life. That's not the. That is not what makes humanity or life worth living. 
We know that. Nobody sits on their deathbed. Well, maybe Trump or Twitler, as I call him. Yeah, but most people don't sit on their deathbed saying, I wish I had stayed an extra day at work or I wish I had accumulated another billion dollars that I'll never spend in 15 lifetimes. It's about the connection and the duty that we have to each other to leave no one behind. And that's what we're doing on this show. And his voice, Michael Brooks's voice, will be missed because he was another unapologetic liberal, a, a democratic socialist, a proud democratic socialist, and somebody who also brought the receipts. Uh, incredibly intelligent, incredibly funny, and and dedicated to making the world a better place. So we we work, we continue to work in his name, and we, he he won't be forgotten. That's for sure. But I just the saddest thing is that we know that the best was yet to come with him. <sighs> What a shame. So we will continue that fight. And speaking of what we were just talking about, about greed. Now, today I came across this article. You might have seen it as well. And it made me sick. Now, we know what's going on in this world. They're nickel and diming us. The Republicans don't want to pay the American people that extra $600, the $40 million out of work. And counting, by the way. Now, Twitler wants to tell everybody, he wants to lie, that's what he does, that he made all these new jobs. He made such a great economy. We know the fact. He was handed an economy that was on the upswing. But what I do on this show and others who do similar shows, let's get the record straight. This is not a great economy. It's great if you're rich. It's not great for the working class. Now, the fact is, we know the majority of Americans are living check to check. That's not a great economy. And the majority, well, now when in the middle of a pandemic, when these so-called essential workers, they're barely making enough money to, to, to make ends meet. So that's not a great economy. We make a lot of billionaires in this country. We just don't make a lot of middle class. The American dream used to be that everybody, uh, uh, you, me, from the, from the person who, the lowest worker, whatever, the lowest worker to the CEO, every person was valued. Everybody de de deserves a decent middle-class life. So that was the American dream. We allowed the Republicans, the conservatives... Um, and really, when we talk about, I, I, I 
rail against conservatives. I mean, against Republicans. But it really is conservatives. And it's conservatives in both parties. We know that. We have to restore the Democratic Party to the New Deal Democratic Party. Enough of this neoliberal, effing, kiss-up-kick-down bullshit that put us in this situation and made Twitler possible. That's what's going to happen. If we allow them to continue, what will happen is, we explain it all the time, and I explained it on the last show, that what will happen the next fascist that gets into the office into office so we get joe biden and he decides to keep doing what he's done his whole life and be a neoliberal democrat who thinks that who has really misdiagnosed what the american people want nobody cares if he's reaching across the aisle to republicans that's not the point we want things we want we want a working, functioning government that works for all. I don't care if you have to reach across the aisle and smack a Republican across the face. That's the only reason you reached across the aisle, is to smack Ted Cruz. No, it's not that we want to reach across the aisle to, what, regurgitate the same kiss-up, kick-down policies that put us in this situation? that made the United States the least upwardly mobile of all the Western nations? That's nothing to boast about. And that's why I repeat these statistics here until they are on the front of mind of every American. This is not, it's not okay to have a a nation that works for the 1%. That's not democracy. We understand that, but not everybody does. So the Republicans have been very successful in redefining what it means, what the American dream means, what that, that is. It used to be that uh, everyone had a decent middle-class life. That was your birthright. But then somehow, well, thanks to the deregulation of the media and the concentration of media conglomerates and Now we have the corporate media where six giant transnational corporations own the entire mechanisms. They own the platforms and the megaphones from sea to shining sea. So they, that you, now they have created this, these silos of information as well. So if you're a Republican, you're, you'll go to listen to Fox news and studies show that people who listen and watch Fox News are less informed than those who watch no news at all. So let's keep that in mind. And then you have others going watching CNN and MSNBC, but that is still corporate media, and they are pushing a kinder, kinder gentler, neoliberal corporate fascism. What is fascism? Fascism is the merger of corporations and state. So what do, you, what do we have here when we literally have lobbyists and billionaires buying politicians, the, the, the revolving door in Washington from political office to these, these lobbying firms? 
is incessant. The bribery is right out in the open. It is ridiculous. So we have to get money out of politics. And so it's not uh, just the Republicans. Yes, the Republicans suck. They will leave you starving in the streets. That's the difference between Republicans and Democrats. The Democrats will throw you a bone. But they will not, the, the corporate Democrats won't do the, the hard work that is necessary, that we need to, and it, you know why it's hard? It's not hard. It is only hard, it's only difficult because the government is bought by the big moneyed interests. And it's not hard if you're not bought. So a representative, I live in Queens. My representative is a Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Her entire platform and the reason she won her seat over this entrenched Democrat, this incumbent de Democrat, Joe Crowley, was because she ran a campaign completely free of corporate money. And she knocked on doors in the neighborhood. She, I didn't get it her. I didn't get her personally when she, they knocked on doors. But they knocked on every single door in the district. It was um, some of her campaign workers knocked on my door in particular. But that's what she did. She put in the retail politics, the 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 shoe leather. But she doesn't take any corporate money. So that's why. She was just reelected in the primary with over 70% of the vote again because people are sick of it. And we understand, we know that the, uh, we know human nature, don't we? Money, absolute power, what is it? Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. I'm looking at the chat. Hold on. Thomas says, that's not really the definition of fascism, but, it, but I agree. So what is the definition of fascism then, Thomas, if you're still there? Because that's not, uh, you know, what is the, fa if you don't agree with the fact that fascism is the merger of corporations and government. In fact, that was Mussolini's definition of fascism. Fascism is a relatively new ideology. And, yes, it has symbolism that goes back centuries. We even have the fascist symbolism in, in our own government. The bundle of sticks. It goes back to ancient Rome. So let's see. Let's look up the definition. What does it say? If I, even, if I just write definition of fascism. Let's see what Merriam's Webster Dip Merriam Webster Dictionary says. All right. A philosophy, a political philosophy, movement, or regime such as that of the fascisti that exalts nation and often race above the individual and stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition, a tendency towards actual exercise of strong autocratic or di dictatorial control. Yes. Well, that's all 
it's all together. The we've gone over this again. The fourteen characteristics of fascism. Mussolini himself was the one who defined fascism as the merger of corporations and state. And in fact, in the fascist Italian state, they had representatives of corporations in their parliament. So they weren't representing the towns or the local, local whatever, or the cities. They were, they were representatives from the big corporations. And we have that here. It's not that overt, but we understand that many of the Congress people, they should be wearing NASCAR patches with corporate logos all over it. So... No, I'm thank. I'm glad you're here, Thomas. On the chat, I'm reading your chat on on Facebook. We also have a lot of people over on the YouTube channel. If you want to join us on YouTube, at YouTube.com/slash/c/slash/rdtdailymedia. That's where a lot of people are hanging out. So, let's see. Let me see who's here now that I've. I'm saying that. Where are you guys? I got to get a better system. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jim, for your super chat. As always, Jim is here. All right. Who else is here? Jim, Shannon, welcome. Welcome, Haiku. Yay. Deborah, welcome. Welcome, Paradu. Welcome... Resist, evolve, welcome. Welcome. Who else is here? Terry, Andrea, hello. All right, guys, I wanted to say, before we continue, too, I just wanted to apologize for being a real bitch the other day. I was in a shitty, shitty, not that that's any excuse, but I, it is what it is. I was very in a bad mood. I can't even say very anymore without thinking of Twitler. He's ruined everything. Very. I was watching his press conference earlier. What a joke. Everything's very this, very that, very, very this, very, very. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But I just wanted to say I sorry, especially to Haiku, because I took something that he was writing out of context, and then I came down on him very hard, I thought, and I was misinformed. I didn't, whatever. I thought everybody was picking on me, and I was getting very discouraged about life, so it really was piling up, but I do want to say we have... Something good happening on Saturday. Greg Palast is going to be on the show. Finally. That's good. That means that that's good. I encourage everybody. I've been reading his book. It's terrifying and ne and very necessary. We can't let Twitler and the filthy, disgusting Republicans, what do you call it, steal this election. And they're trying. We know that. We understand that's what's going on. Because Republicans can't win legitimately on the field of ideas. We get that. They have to 
gerrymander. They have to kick people off the voting rolls. They have to make it as difficult as possible for people to exercise their right to vote. And now, every day, it seems, Twitter is sowing seeds of doubt about mail-in voting, even though he's voted by mail, and so has all of his dumb, his useless family and people in his administration. But you see, things are, what's right for him is not right for us. That's not, you know, they they have no respect for us as a people. They hate the working class. If that hasn't sunk in yet, I'm telling you, it, it, it is. They hate us. They hate workers. We're in net, they, they want us to just shut our effing surf mouths and go back to work. Who cares? What do you mean die? You're, you're afraid to die? Oh, well. You don't want to get sick and die? You don't want to bring the coronavirus home to your mom or your dad? Oh, well. So that's why they're fighting about not paying people their unemployment, the enhanced unemployment, an extra $600. They don't like that. They need the working class nice and malleable. You understand? They want us nice and beaten. That's the point. This is the whole point of their policies. They want us nice and malleable we don't we don't act up then we go out we 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 say yes sir yes sir yes yes my lord we don't form unions we don't get together and demand living wages we don't demand a fair share of the profit that our labor makes possible we're all just struggling barely with our heads above water. That's what they want. And it's true. If giving somebody $600 extra in their salary, in their, in their unemployment insurance, means that they're making more on unemployment than they were when they were at work, that means the system is broken. It means that we need to be, be, we need to be paid more. You understand? And you goddamn right. We don't they're not going to pay us until we demand. Power demands they power concedes nothing without demand. That is the truth. So trust me, it's not about we're broke. We're broke. Remember during Obama when Obama was in office, we're broke, we're broke, we're broke. We kept hearing it was John Boner in between tears, we're broke, we're broke. We weren't broke. You know what's broken? Our morality is broken. Our sense of, of dignity, that's for sure, that's broken. Our unity, that's broken. Cause we, and, we're, and also, we're goddamn confused. There's nothing broken when you're making more rich people. And that's what they were doing. It's not they're making more rich people. And they were concentrating more into the hands of the rich. They, the rich were getting richer while they're crying, we're broke, we're broke, we're broke. And so when Twitter wants to, so they don't want to give people $600, bullshit. 
You want to see the depression? You want to see the second? Well, first of all, we, we, we understand that this is why I have a hard time labeling it, because the Republican Great Recession was a near Great Depression, but Obama, who was handed a mess, like, because Twitter likes to tell everybody that he was handed this horrible economy, but that's all bullshit. Sort of like how his Trump network vitamins were going to make you a, a, the healthiest human being that ever lived. Or his Trump university was going to make you a successful businessman like he never was. So it's a lie, you know? And so if, what was I saying? So if the enhanced $600 in people enhance. I don't even want to say enhance. So, because they keep saying, all right, what, what was I saying? I was talking about the rich getting richer in the and the labeling. And so that's why I say, when I say this will be the, if they pull that $600 away from people, the only thing keeping the economy afloat they look out for the second Republican Great Depression, but it's really the third. You understand? That's why I have trouble saying the second Republican Great Depression, because the economy that was handed to Obama was really the second Republican Great Depression, except it was stopped in its track. Unfortunately, Obama was not. He's not a liberal. I know they like to pretend, and he was a so he was a socialist. I wish. That's what I always said during the Obama years. People say, "Oh, he's a socialist." I said, "I wish." I fucking wish. I'm sorry. I'm cursing. I wish he was a socialist, because then maybe he'd be the new FDR that I hoped he was gonna be. And it would broke it broke my heart that he wasn't. He was another neoliberal corporate Democrat, an establishment Democrat. What is, this is why I go insane. What is change you can believe in? Come on. Are we that easily played? What does that mean? It means nothing. I know what change I can believe in. I want a second, I want FDR's second bill of rights. Boom. And that's what we need. And that's why FDR, he left that. It was a gift to the Democrats. He, you know, he could have said that all they had to do was move forward with that agenda. And we wouldn't be in this boat. We wouldn't have a Twitler right now. It was the neoliberal corporate Democratic Party that made Twitler possible. Yeah, we expect Republicans to be fascists. That's what they are. And I've said it for years, even before their freak flag is flying as as openly as it is right now i have said it and people say oh you're just being hyperbolic i say uh-uh in every republican chest i don't care if your granny your sister your aunt your neighbors you know your friend your your childhood buddy if they're a republican in every republican chest beats the heart of fascism Period. End of, and look at them. Look at what they're doing. Unleashing a Gestapo in the streets of the United States. These are the people that had their 
pocket constitutions when they're telling us that we should all die without health care. Right? Oh, your health, your problem. See, look, here's my pocket constitution. Well, pick it out, open it up, and read it. Tell me how many times it talks about the general welfare. That covers just about everything, including... It really was meant to cover what the Congress... Because one thing for the founders, they understood that times would change, that there would be things that they would... uh, Events and the future would unfold in a way that they probably couldn't predict. So they left it open, and they left the Constitution as a living document to be changed and, and modified. And in fact, that's the way that they expected it to be modified periodically. So to say general welfare, which appears three times in, our, in the founding documents, in capital letters, all caps, that's how important it was, it is. The general welfare. What's the general welfare? Well, if you are, if, if, if health care eats up 16% of the GDP and counting and millions are declaring bankruptcy and thousands are needlessly dying every year, well, that's something that would fall under the general welfare and people are sick of it because that's what a government's there for. Government is there to stand up for you because we're in this together. E pluribus unum and all. Pledging your lives, fortunes, and sacred honor to each other and all. So government, we band together as a community and say, this is the kind of society we want to live in. We don't want to live in a society where the rich ride our cancer tumors to the bank while we go on GoFundMe begging for health care. So give me a break. So while they point to their, because I, I, I remember this so well, because I was in, I went to Washington, D.C. with Mike Malloy back then when they were arguing, the Supreme Court was hearing the arguments about Obamacare. We were doing a radio row from Families USA. And I, in between shows, I was going out to interview these, these tea baggers at the time. They were called the Tea Party. We called them tea baggers. And they were always had their little pocket constitutions. Read your constitution. I said, I read it. What, where? Where does it say that we're not in this together? In fact, the whole goddamn thing says we're in this together. Right? That's the point. And government is us. So we are sick of being treated like parasites from which to suck profit and discard. We're sick of watching our mamas on the phone with, uh, with cancer yelling at insurance agents and, or getting letters in the mail when you're sick saying, oh, I'm sorry, you had, uh, you had acne. You took Accutane when you were 16. You never told us. Sorry. So they point at their we the people there. This is why they make me sick. And they make the whole country sick, literally and figuratively. They point to their pocket constitutions. When they want to deny fellow Americans health care, a chance, what everybody on earth, what the entire earth has figured out years ago, that health care is not a commodity. 
Any any civilized nation understands this. Not here, though, because we're we're greedy and stupid. So, so they would point at their po- their pocket constitutions for that. But they don't. Where are these pocket constitutions now? With Gestapo kidnapping people off the street. That's why I can't stand Republicans. You understand? Because if they were um, if they weren't hypocrites, I might be able to stand them. You know what I mean? If they had, if they were consistent, I might be able to stand them. I might be like, okay, that's what they believe. I get it. I don't understand it. It's not for me, but at least, you know, they are honest about it. But no, they're not. They're not consistent. They're supposed to be, they supposedly love America so much. Okay, it's bad enough you cheer and vote for a tax-cheating, draft-dodging con man with a fake university and a vitamin scam, but then, and you're going to vote for him again, despite a thousand, wait, what, what, not a thousand, 140,000 people dead, a thousand's bad enough, and how many millions sick and all the lies, and I mean, that's bad enough, but you're not, you stay silent. You're going to vote for him again. You love America. You like humping flags. You wear your red, white, and blue flag jersey with your stupid, these colors don't run t-shirt and your made in China American flag lapel pen. But you don't say a goddamn thing when your fascist authoritarian wannabe dictator envying con man sends the Gestapo to the streets of American cities and, and promises to expand it. When they're beating up people, when they're kidnapping people off the streets, putting them in unmarked van, but you like your constitution. Where's your constitution? Where is it now? It's, it only comes out when Americans aren't going to needlessly die without health care? Is that what you're telling me? This is why I can't stand them. They are the anchors around our ankles. They're like the ball and chain. The albatross around our national necks. And why we have to continuously evolve without them. They have no legitimacy, honestly. They really don't. They have no zero legitimacy. Just because of what we're talking about here, too. How, how can we take them seriously? They, are so, they selectively edit their patriotism, quote-unquote. They're not patriots. You can't be a patriot and turn your back on your fellow Americans. You cannot be a patriot while staying silent in the midst of a Gestapo force unleashed in this country. You can't be a patriot and think a Gestapo force is an American thing. That is so anti-American. It's so un-American. It is so anti-constitutional, it's not even funny. So, if only, really, if only they were not hypocrites, I might be able to stand them, but I can't. They, they have proved me right so many times. And that's why I always say it sucks to be right. I don't want to be right. I wish I was wrong. 
I wish they proved me wrong once in a while. I would be like, wow, shocking. That's great. Finally, maybe there's progress. But no, they constantly prove me right with their hypocrisy, their incessant selective memory, their selective patriotism, and their inability to not even understand what it means to be a patriot. Which, I'll tell you, in case you're wondering if you're a right-winger who stumbled in here, you can't be a patriot and hate just about everybody in your country. Okay? We can, we can pretty much agree on that. You can't be a patriot while turning your back on your fellow Americans. You can't be a patriot and not give a shit that people are ill-housed, ill-clothed, ill-fed, as FDR described. That's not patriotic. You should be embarrassed. If that's, how, if that's what you are, you should be embarrassed. You should have the, really, but I, I doubt you have the maturity to be embarrassed. Because in order to be embarrassed, you have to have a level of maturity that tells you that you know what's right and what's wrong. You have a moral compass, but that you I'm sure you don't. If you are a Republican, much less a Trump and they're the worst. They are really the uh, the bane of of this country. But anyway, so I don't want to hear that uh, you know now they're they're nickeling diming the American people about this six hundred dollars because the Republicans hate you. You get it. They hate the working class. It has never been about making the working class like, oh, okay, Republicans and Democrats. Republicans, we have, uh, we have an idea about, or like, well, how am I put this? Um, we all agree in a economically vibrant working class, but we have different ideas how to get there. That may have been true, maybe. I don't know. I hear rumors that back in Eisenhower's day, Eisenhower wasn't a complete fascist. He he had, in fact, well, it's true. He said to, he wrote a letter. There's a famous letter where Eisenhower called his brother, I think. He called his brother stupid. Or he, no, he he wrote to his brother and he called the Republicans who were trying to cut Social Security. Stupid. I think. Let me see. Called his. Let me let me look this up. Letter. This is why I ask you to become a patron, because then when you we get enough patrons, we will have more people to work on the show. And yeah. It'll be better. The show will be better. So, and there'll be more more show. How about that? It'll be on a regular time. Let's see. This is from Eisenhower's letter to Edgar. Edgar, oh yeah, yeah, his brother. Letter to Edgar Newton Eisenhower on November 8th, 1954. I think Tom Hartman reads this letter sometimes. Dear Ed, I think that such an answer as I can give to your letter of November 1st will be arranged in the reverse order. At least I shall comment 
First, on your final paragraph, you keep harping on the Constitution. I should like to point out that the meaning of the Constitution is what the Supreme Court says it is. Consequently, no powers are exercised by the federal government except where such exercise is approved by the Supreme Court of the land. I admit that the Supreme Court has in the past made certain decisions in this general field that have been astonishing to me. A recent case in point was the decision in the Phillips case to others and older ones involved interstate commerce, three, but until some Supreme Court decision denies the right and responsibility of the federal government to do certain things, you cannot possibly remove from them the political activities of the federal government. Now it is true that I believe this country is following a dangerous trend when it permits too great a degree of centralization of government functions. I oppose this. In some instances, the fight is a rather desperate one. But to attain any success, it is quite clear that the federal government cannot avoid or escape responsibilities which the mass of people firmly believe should be undertaken by it. Hello. Well, of course, this is only a letter. It's not a law, but the political processes of our country are such that if a rule of reason is not applied in this effort, we will lose everything, even to a possible and drastic change in the Constitution. This is what I mean by my constant insistence upon moderation in government. Should any political party attempt to abolish Social Security, unemployment insurance, and eliminate labor laws and farm programs, you would not hear of that party again in our political history. There is such a tiny splinter group, of course, that believes you can do such things. Among them are H.L. Hunt, you probably know his background, a few other Texas oil millionaires, and an occasional politician or businessman from other areas. Their number is negligible, and they are stupid. <laughs> to say, therefore, that in some instances the policies of this administration have not been radically changed from those of the last is perfectly true. Both administrations levied taxes, both maintained military establishments, customs, officials, and so on. But in all government fields of action, a combination of purpose, pro procedure, and objectives must be considered if you are to get a true evaluation of the, of the relative merits. You say that foreign policy... All right, I don't want to read the whole thing. It goes on and on. I'll post it in the Discord. Really, the point was what I just read, a few uh, about abolishing Social Security, unemployment insurance, and uh, labor laws, an occasional politician and or businessman from other areas, their number is negligible, and they are stupid. So I'll post that in our Discord you know, under the articles of what we read. My point is, that what's happening now with the Republican Party, what they're doing in this near-Republican Great Depression. Now, remove the, the extra $600 from the American people that if they aren't making in their salaries, that's an abomination because we have enough money 
The corporations are profitable. They're always boasting about the stock market. Most Americans aren't in the stock market. And the 401k bullshit is what is just what I said. It's bullshit. That was a Republican scam to remove people from genuine uh, for from guaranteed pensions for the rest of their lives. So you retire and you get a guaranteed pension every month or whatever it would be for the rest of your life until you die. And Republicans, they don't like that. They want if no if if they can't make the rich richer, then they're not they don't want to do it. That's why they don't like democracy. These are the the really they are the enemies that the founders warned us about the enemies from within they are undermining the grand experiment and right now how how do we know first of all it's an abomination if you're making more money because you got an extra six hundred dollars in in your unemployment insurance the fact is it's exactly what AOC said if that's your problem, Republicans, then it's not the problem of the unemployment insurance or the worker. It's the problem that they're not getting paid a living wage. If you're making more in unemployment with an extra $600, then we, gotta, we have a problem here. The fact is, it's the CEOs and the executives, they're making out like banshees and bandits. So... It's not like the corporations are suffering. And that's why during when the Republicans were in charge in the Bush years and John Boner's in between his tears would cry, we're broke, we're broke. We weren't broke. The corporations were making record profits. And we still are making, the corporations are still making record profits. As, for example... Jeff Bezos, just in this month, Jeff Bezos adds another $13 billion, hello, in a single day to his fortune. Now, are you kidding me? But the American people are going to have $600 of emergency unemployment insurance stripped from them because Republicans want you nice and malleable and desperate and going to work despite the fact that you might die because they don't care if you die. You understand? If you die, better. It's even better if you bring the coronavirus home to your grand, to your grandmother or your, or your mama. Your mom is living in the basement because she can't afford to live on her own anymore. This ain't the, the American middle class anymore. The American middle class is less than 50% of the population now. So, you know, you, you might be living with a lot of your family members. So all the better if you bring the coronavirus home to granny. Because then she's off Social Security. That's how they are. They, that's how they think. You understand? They are literally thinking like this. They say it out loud sometimes. Hey, uh, oh, yeah, of course, Twitler will say in his press conference, oh, of course, every life is precious. Bullshit. If all lives mattered, we wouldn't be having this conversation. There would be an automatic extension of the unemployment benefits because your life doesn't matter. 
What matters is their life, their cushy life, riding you like a borrowed mule. And Twitler and the Republicans, they never met a crisis that they, would, they couldn't and wouldn't exploit. And also use as an excuse to try to cut Social Security. Their big, big idea, the same ideas Republicans have always had, and conservatives, they have always had the same idea. Well, it's, it always boils down to make the rich richer. But they want a payroll tax cut. Payroll tax cut? Well, what good does that do if you're not getting a payroll? You're not getting a... That makes absolutely no sense. But who asked them to make sense? They want your Social Security. That's what it is. The payroll tax is what funds Social Security. And they have been trying to destroy Social Security since FDR signed it into law. They don't care if it keeps the American people out of poverty. It is the most successful government program in American history. It has never missed a payment in its entire history. There is a true trillion dollar trust fund. Remember um, the lockbox that they they mocked Al Gore, the lockbox, lockbox. They want their hands. They want to bust that bitch open and hand it to Wall Street. And it's how you have to Republicans, what do they do in all of their endeavors? Whatever they touch, they wreck. Whatever they want, uh, they, they don't like that government works, you see. Remember nine most dangerous words, or I'm from the government and I'm here to help. They hate government. But that, that, what they read, read, read my, read the interpretation. It's not that they hate government. They like government just fine, as long as it's working for them. You see, if it's funneling money to the rich, that's fine. They like it. They, they don't like democracy. When they say they hate government, what they're really saying is that they hate democracy. Okay? For real. They don't like the government that the founders rebelled to create and entrust to us. They hate that government. They hate of, by, and for the people. That's why they have to redefine everything. And anything, and of course they always hide behind the flag while they're doing it. Because they count. <clears throat> they count on your stupidity. Well, they can guarantee. They can take their, the stupidity of their voters to the bank, that's for sure. But they want us all to be stupid. And they know that, that that's impossible. They can't, as Lincoln, you know, they pretend to love Lincoln. You can pull, you could fool some of the people some of the time and all the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Well, of course not. That's why they, they trust their propaganda networks and then the gerrymandering and voter suppression and the rest will do the trick. They don't want you to vote. They, and if you do vote, they will count the votes and make sure that they will, the votes, votes will disappear. They'll flip. There's a phenomenon called redshift. It only happened since, of course, the electronic voting machines. Funny enough, 
this redshift only seems to occur. They call it redshift because it is whenever there are mysterious votes, they always land in the Republican column. Redshift? There's never any blue shift. But let's pretend. Let's. It's sort of like we all have to pretend that Trump is some kind of functioning. Let's. Well, we we don't pretend that. But a lot of Republicans, of course, they pretend that Trump is a legitimate businessman, but he is a con man. And the corporate media pretends that he is some kind of president. He's not a president. He's a con man. He received fewer votes. And today, when he had a new press conference, you know, he finally, oh, he's coming back because he likes the ratings? Even though, you know, it's funny when you tell people to inject themselves with bleach, and some of them do it. Ain't that fun? But he came out to admit, basically, that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't have a clue. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We were reading about Jeff Bezos. And the Republicans are trying. This is their plan. The plan in a pandemic is to, where okay, it's a pandemic. Millions are sick. Hundreds of thousands are dead. Millions, forty million are out of work. More to come because other co- companies have announced that they will be laying people off and take that six hundred dollars away from people. And watch it crash even further, faster, quicker, and without, uh, like, a, like a goddamn stone dropped from the Empire State Building. It's going to, uh, like nobody's ever seen. Trump wants to see something like nobody's ever seen. Okay, do that. Take that $600 away from people. And watch the third Republican Great Depression. As quick as you could say, uh, Twitler. But Jeff Bezos, okay, one guy at least is doing great. Hey, we got one guy. He's doing fabulous out of the 300 and how many Americans are there? I know I say 320 million. I think there's more than how many. Let me see. How many? Hey, Siri. How many Americans are in the country? How come she just doesn't repeat it? Hey, Siri. She's answering me on my iPad. How many Americans are in the country? Are there? Hey, Siri, bitch. All right. Fuck you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to be cursing. I'm sorry. How many? See, she's useless. All she has to say is the the answer. I found this on the web. Shut up. I can find it on the web myself. How many Americans are there? 330 million. See, I'm 10 million off. I've been saying 320 million for years. I guess that you guys, you, can, you were getting busy. Making more people for this son of a bitch place. For this sad, 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 sad dying empire. Dead. <laughs> what do you mean dying? Jesus Christ. Here we go. 
Become a patron. I have to make that announcement again. Become a patron at patreon.com. Only so far, Jim is the only one that's given a super chat tonight. So, all right. Be like that. That's fine. I'm fine with that, I guess. And, all right, let's go back to Jeff Bezos. Where am I? Grandma, are you coming to take me in the middle of the night and to lead me into the light? Okay, not yet. Mm. Oh, brother. Okay. This is from Bloomberg by Jack Pitcher. Jeff Bezos adds a record $13 billion in a single day to fortune. Isn't that nice? While they're nickel and diming us to death. Well, they're going to pull that $600, that rug, right out from under millions of Americans. And that, by extension, they're pulling the rug out on us all. You get it? The whole thing, the house of cards is going to crumble if they do that. Jeff Bezos added $13 billion to his net worth on Monday, the largest single-day jump for an individual since, bil- since Bloomberg Billionaire's Index was created in 2012. Amazon.com Inc. surged 7.9%, the most since December. Bezos, Amazon's 56-year-old founder and the world's richest person, has seen his fortune swell by $74 billion in 2020, it is 2020 still, right, to $189 billion the same year, despite U.S. entering its worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. How much longer, Americans, ladies and gentlemen, how much longer will we take it? I have to ask again. He's now personally worth more than the market valuation of giants such as Exxon, Mobil, Nike, and McDonald's. Personally. Not his corporation. Him. That's one man. One human being. Right? There's how many human... How many, uh, how many manicures can he get? To trickle on us. How many shoe shines can he get? How many times can he get his houses cleaned or his what? This is why the entire Republican ideology is based in bullshit. Not uh, it's not just the economic bullshit that they that they inflict on this country. It's everything else. It's bullshit. They are bullshit. That's why I I know that we will win. We will win eventually when the American people, because I know we're sick of it. We know what's fair and what's not fair. We know that that's just wrong. We also have to understand that that is not democracy. We, 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 we read FDR a lot and we discuss other presidents and uh, other thinkers in general talking about the power of concentrated money. Fascism. What is? What did FDR say about fascism? Remember? He said, 
Let's see. <sighs> the truth is that liberty of a democracy is not safe if the people tolerate the growth of private power to a point where it becomes stronger than the democratic state itself. That in itself is fascism. Uh, Of course. Let me see. Where the heck is it? Because I want to get the full quote. And there's something in my face. Is there something on my face? It's your freaking nose. Let's see. This is FDR's message to Congress on the concentration of economic power on April 29th, 1938, to the Congress of the United States. Unhappy events abroad have retaught us two simple truths about the liberty of the democratic of a democratic people. The first truth is that the liberty of a democracy is not safe if the people tolerate the growth of private power to a point where it becomes stronger than their democratic state itself. You notice how he said that? Their democratic state. Not the or a, their. It belongs to us. We have to cultivate it. That in its essence is fascism. Ownership by a of wait ownership of government by an individual, by a group, or by any other controlling private power. The second truth is that the liberty of a democracy is not safe if the business system does not provide employment and produce and distribute goods in such a way as to sustain an acceptable standard of living. Both lessons hit home. Among us today, a concentration of private power without equal in history is growing. Now it's even worse, ladies and gentlemen. This concentration is seriously impairing the economic effectiveness of private enterprise as a way of providing employment for labor and capital, as a way of assuring a more equitable distribution of income and earnings among the people of the nation as a whole. He sounds like Che Guevara or something. A regular old radical. No, it's democracy. Protecting the democratic state, our democratic state. We cannot tolerate the concentration of private power that becomes larger than government itself. That, in essence, is fascism. Ownership of a government by an individual, by a group, or by any other controlling private power. And also... It's the economic system, a business system that does not provide employment or produce, uh, and produce and distribute goods in a way to sustain an acceptable standard of living. And that's the key point, acceptable. How much longer are we going to take it? What's acceptable? Is that okay? I guess it is. That one person has more money than what? How many America? How many humans combined? That's not acceptable to me. 
I don't know if it's if it's acceptable to you, but it shouldn't be if you and I'm sure you filthy Republicans t- take that pocket constitution out. It doesn't only uh, I hope that it only doesn't only come out when you're trying to deny Americans health care or a hot lunch program in school or whatever. Take it out now. After you go into the bathroom, like I ask you pretty much every time we get together, get in there, look yourself in the mirror, and smack yourself across the face and, and say, wake up. You're not on the right side of history. You're not on the right side of humanity. And you're certainly not on the right side of democracy. So all of these statistics that FDR is talking about, they're, they're worse now because we have a worse concentration of wealth now than the, than the time that he was talking about. That he was warning the United States, and we read that last show, the stuff of dictatorship. So he, FDR is saying... The statistics of the Bureau of Internal Revenue reveal the following amazing figures of, for 1935. Ownership of corporate assets. All, of all corporations reporting from every part of the nation, one-tenth of 1% one of them own 52% of the assets of all the nations. Of all, the na- of all of them, I'm sorry, not of all the nations. And to cinch the point, of all corporations reporting, less than 5% of them owned 87% of all the assets. Income and profit of corporations. Of all the corporations reporting from every part of the country, one-tenth of 1% of them earned 50% of the net income of all of them. I mean, he's reading off these appalling statistics. After the first Republican Great Depression... And the American people were suffering yet again under what we have always suffered under, from when our ancestors have suffered under it and their ancestors, and on and on. The, the power of organized money to control government. And here we are again. And they're going to tell you that Jeff Bezos being this... Uh, this on his tr- on he's on well on his way to being the world's first trillionaire by the by twenty by by the year twenty what is it twenty twenty six yeah and we we're gonna tolerate that while Americans are choosing between food and medicine or losing their homes or any of them are working three, let's say three uniquely American low paying jobs. And some aren't able to work at all. And maybe some are making more on unemployment and shame on us for allowing that. Not, not the making more, but the fact that they would make more on unemployment. Shame on us for allowing them to work their asses off to not make a standard of living worthy of the American people. 
But the Republicans, they want us nice and easily exploitable. That is the point. You get it? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Covert right, White Rabbit, for your super chat and your your suggestion, your advice. Don't pout. You'll get wrinkles. <laughs> That's what happens. You got to guilt people into becoming a patron or super chatting. I don't know, whatever. And thank you, Mark C. It is patriotic to support independent media. Pass it on. Absolutely. It's patriotic. Where are you going to hear this? I almost fell out of my chair, though, tonight. I was listening to Joy Reid. Apparently, Joy has evolved. She is all for Medicare for all now. That's a good sign. It is. Because we need that. That goes to show you. You understand that we will win. Now, I'm not, you know, I, you, you guys know my, my feeling about Joy Reid, corporate media, the incessant Bernie bash that went on on corporate media, and also Joy Reid's homophobia that annoys me. And her bullshit that she was hacked. Her her stupid excuse. She said she was hacked. And somebody wrote an article on her blog that she thought it was disgusting when she, two men were kissing. I mean, that to me is disgusting. She's disgusting for doing that. And instead of admitting it, she made herself look like an even bigger ass. But whatever. And then... The whole, we remember. I don't want to relive it. You don't either. The Bernie um, body language expert, all that. She's she's on my last nerve. That's the truth. For all of that and the corporate media, it doesn't surprise me. I'm glad she's on prime time. That's great. Whatever. There's a, a woman who isn't white on a major, I guess, I don't know. It's a major step for visibility but other than that she pissed me off so now she's for medicare for all i'm glad she said tonight i almost almost fainted she said that she she finally has come around because of the pandemic uh, first of all i don't i don't know is that really possible uh how i do not get it this is what makes me insane in in general about this country how anybody who is informed who pretends to be informed would not be for medicare for all anyway why what is your problem first of all this is a woman who she's not you know sheltered you would think she's read a few things she's been around a little bit she might have traveled out of the country, I would imagine. She's seen other systems. She's, you know, she's informed. You, she sees, she meets people from other countries. She's not uh, isolated. So what? What's the what's the deal? I'm all of a sudden she was saying that she's for Medicare for all. Because of the pandemic, and it took her a long time to come around, and all right, I'm glad she's here, but anyway, whatever. 
Now she supports it because she sees how. Let me see. I'm trying to find if. Hmm. Now she's for for Medicare for all. I don't see much about this. I see some old articles about people writing how she's bashing Medicare for all. But, you know, she's the one that... It, this is, it gets me insane. I'm sorry. Michael Deason's going to write me or, or put another... He's going to call me again and leave another message. And tell me I'm boring. And that I'm, I need to go... What did he say? I'm just, I'm just teasing you, Michael. You know I love you. That I I need to go and scream, <laughs> just get it out of my system, and scream that black people voted for Joe Biden. I I don't I don't know if I want to scream about it. I want to. I'm a little confused about it, but whatever. Everything makes me scream. But anyway, where 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 were we? I just, it's the hypocrisy. The, and it's also the platitudes and the, the um, you know, it's fine. This is why uh, yeah, I talk about the platitudes, right? Taking a knee, all of that symbolism is wonderful. And taking down the Confederate statues. I'm, I hate those, those statues to traitors. What sane country puts up statues to traitors. The answer is no sane country. So, but, uh, that's great. The walking across the Edmund Pettus bridge is fabulous together arm in arm. That's great. Except, uh, what would make it even better would be on the other side of that bridge. There was a desk sitting there with pens and ready for the president to sign legislation guaranteeing, let's say, Medicare for all or living wages or the ability to join unions. Remember that with Obama? He never, he, he always promised Obama when he was campaigning. They always campaign like FDR. You see? but they govern like Republican light or Republicans or straight up Republicans. Remember Obama was saying how he would put on his comfortable shoes and join the picket line. And then it came, where is it put? Let me see. Obama. And then they started attacking unions and uh, suddenly Obama's comfortable shoes were nowhere to be found. So they all talk about, oh, when, oh, that's what happened. Now it's all coming back to me. Everything is a blur. They, it was when um, Scott Walker in Wisconsin was attacking collective bargaining rights and they were very successful. What did Obama do? Zippo. Zippity-doo-dah. Nothing. Zero. Obama promised in 2007, this is from The Hill, in 2011, to join a picket line with workers when their collective bargaining rights were threatened. Amid clamor by a House liberal leader for the president to visit Wisconsin, 
the site of a massive battle over legislation limiting collective bargaining. The White House said Thursday that Obama had no plans to visit the state. If that ain't, ain't a betrayal, this is why. You get it, guys? This is why there is a Twitler in the White House. Neoliberal policies are what brought us fascism. They are never the remedy for fascism. They are what gives us fascism in the, be in, in the beginning, it's in the first place. So, on the campaign trail... Obama said, understand this. If American workers are being denied their right to organize and collectively bargain, then when I'm in the White House, I'll put on a pair of comfortable shoes myself. I'll walk on that picket line with you as president of the United States of America because workers deserve to know that someone's standing in their corner. Oh, isn't that great? Both liberals and conservatives are recalling the speech at Converse College now. More than two years into his presidency, Obama faces a major labor standoff. The battle between Wisconsin Republican Governor Scott Walker and Democrats in the state Senate entering its 11th day with no end in sight. You think that they could have helped? Obama would have helped as the president of the United States to motivate? Of course! You use your bully pulpit for what? You, that's what FDR did with his bully pulpit. He encouraged the American people to join unions. That's what he said. He said, if I recall correctly, FDR said, if I were a worker or something like that, the first thing that I would do is join a labor union. Let me see if I can find that. While you guys become patrons, or if you're not already, or go to the iTunes site and give a good review, or Super Chat, or and or Super Chat, you know, while I look up these articles. Yes, FDR. The year was 1936. This is from the Daily Kos and by somebody in the community called Going South. The year was 1936. America had come a long way back from the worst depths of the Great Depression, but there was still a long way to go. Congress had passed and President Roosevelt had signed the Wagner Act which some describe as the most radical piece of legislation ever to make it into law in the U.S., also known as the National Labor Relations Act. The Wagner Act, named after the great progressive Robert F. Wagner, laid down rules for management labor relations, including provisions that govern the process of organizing or signing up workers for union membership. Advocates for unions and collective bargaining hoped that they would now be able to organize plants and even whole industries without the company-sponsored violence that had met their efforts in the past. Walter Ruth Ruthner was one of those union organizers, a member of the Socialist Party who had spent years with his brother Victor as a worker in a Soviet auto plant in Gorky. Walter Ruther was no Democrat. He was a radical, perhaps anything, perhaps a, even a card-carrying communist, 
who at the very least happily worked with the Communist Party members to organize auto workers in Detroit for the new United Auto Workers. Things were not going well for Ruther and his fellow unionists in 1936. Jobs were still scarce and people were afraid to join a union because most companies still had the policy to fire workers for joining unions, even though it was illegal under the new Wagner Act. As Ruther's biographer, UVA professor Nelson Lichtenstein recounts in his book, The Most Dangerous Man in Detroit. Then something, oh wait, there was a complete lack of cooperation with the workers inside the shop. Then something changed. Ruther was supporting Norman Thomas in yet another socialist run for the presidency, and but he had to admit that Roosevelt was sounding like a socialist. Never before in all our history have these forces, plutocrats, this is Roosevelt, the quote, been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. More specifically, Roosevelt said, if I were a factory worker, I would join a union. Ruther and the other UAW organizers put Roosevelt's statement on every leaflet they handed out at factory gates where they were recruiting workers. Suddenly, the atmosphere transformed. When Roosevelt toured the Midwest, workers shut down their lines and went to the streets to cheer the president. 100,000 in Flint, 500,000 from Hamtrak to Detroit. The electoral result was stunning. The turnout in Wayne County, Michigan, Detroit, increased by 33% over 1932, and Roosevelt took 65% of the vote. Many of the new voters were immigrants. FDR took over 90% of the Polish vote. Since Roosevelt had used his rhetoric to cast the election in terms of class struggle, workers were emboldened to stand up for themselves. As Lichtenstein puts it, for a brief historical instant, businessmen seemed stunned, the police hesitant, and the usual structures of deference to authority were unsteady. A sea change in the social climate gave to a core of dedicated activists the opportunity to build a new set of institutions that could capture the unfettered energy so briefly liberated during a plastic moment in history. There were still strikes and beatings and spilled blood ahead, but presidential leadership helped spur a new and struggling movement forward, and the ultimate result was a blue-collar was blue-collar prosperity that had never been seen before. And we now know that time as the Great Prosperity. I remember back to January in 2009 when a newly elected but not yet inaugurated president was confronted with questions about a sit-down strike at Republic Windows in his hometown of Chicago. Remember this? I do. For a moment. It was like 1936 again. CEOs were used to closing union plants with impunity. And these workers' bold action in taking possession of the plant shocked Wall Street and the corporatocracy. 
would the president-to-be stand up for law and order and chastise these workers? He would not. When it comes to situation here in Chicago with the workers who are asking for their benefits and payments they have earned, I think they are absolutely right, Obama said in a Sunday news conference. No waffling, no triangulating. The workers are right. Our hearts soared. A few weeks later, veteran labor writers were still ecstatic. Robert Kuttner wrote in the Huffington Post, And on Friday, President Obama, one-time organizer, had more words to say about unions, and they were the kind of explicit endorsement that we literally haven't heard from a president since FDR's day. Wow. Obama offered deeds to match. The stunning declaration of support came at the White House's announcement of a tax task force on middle-class working families headed by Vice President Biden, with Jared Bernstein as its executive director. The idea was proposed last summer to, by Change to Win Unions, who endorsed candidate Obama early in the primary season. He embraced the concept, and it was a commitment he kept. His remarks and actions were dazzling example of the transformative power of a president to shift public opinion and the political center of gravity. And Nathan Newman wrote in TPN, Obama cannot have a strong middle class without a, a strong labor union, he said. That was Obama's statement repealing a number of Bush-era anti-union executive orders and creating a White House task force on the middle class. Chaired by Vice President Joe Biden and no doubt staffed by former TPM Jared Bernstein. I'll skip the substance of the executive order action and emphasize that Obama statement as far more significant. We've not had a president that so forthrightly identified the, he the health of the nation with the health of the labor movement in many decades. I'm sure Clinton and Carter did, but I'd be curious if anyone has their quotes from LBJ or JFK said so strongly. Well, things have gone downhill considerably since those days. Not one labor, not one in labor is comparing Obama to FDR now. In the words of Randy Newman, Mr. President, have pity on the working and unemployed people. While it would be nice to have EFCA to correct the damage done to the Wagner Act by Taft-Hartley and years of Republican-dominated courts and NLRB's National Labor Relations Board, it would be helpful if you could just use that bully pulpit on our behalf. There was hardly anything more hurtful to hear from your lips than that poster boy for corporate greed and ruthlessness, Jamie Diamond and Lloyd Blankfein, when you said they were savvy businessmen. They didn't need your defending. They spend tens of millions to do that. Rather than defending them, we needed you to be welcoming their hatred. And we need you to speak up for, for us now strongly. We can do a lot on our own, in our own communities, in our workplaces, if we have work, in our places of worship, and in our families. We can endure hardship like those brave people who organized unions in the 1930s. 
but a few, but a few words, the right words, could lift our spirits and fill our hearts. We know you can do it. Tell us that you'd join a union if you were a worker in America today. Well, we know the end of that story. He never did. Candidate Obama, I don't know what happened. Well, I know what happened. What am I saying? I don't know what happened. That's what they do. They all, they campaign like FDR, and then they get in there and they start praising Reagan. And that's why we're in this boat. Now, I hope against hope, I really do, that Joe Biden does not turn into another one of these. <laughs> I know I'm hoping uh, shit in one hand and hope in the other, right? Which one gets filled up faster? But I, uh, talking to Bob Kincaid, Bob Kincaid, he's like, I, I, I have hope that Joe Biden meets the moment. I hope so, too. I hope he... He jettisons his entire career, that he's listening to the right people, and he really does meet the moment by being a new FDR. That's how he will uh, claim his place in history, that's for sure, and really revitalize his, uh, his record, frankly, which has much to be desired, obviously. Ooh. Hey, I hit the wrong button again. <laughs> Don't you hate when I end the show like that? Bye. So, oh, hi. Speaking of not bye, hi. What are you doing? <laughs> I love that Tara Jr. Jr. He just shows up and he's like, meow. Like, hey, I'm here. Here he is. Say hello. Don't sit down so quickly. Let me see. He's got something on his face. He's got a scratch here. He's got an allergy. It's something in my fucking mouth that's really annoying. I'm sorry. I keep touching it. It's like something is bothering me. Hold on. Maybe it's just... Tara Jr. Jr., take over the mic for a minute. I need a drink. All right. Where are we? Who am I? What am I? Where are you? Are we still here? Are we here? We're queer? We're used to it? Are we not used to it? Let's see if anybody became a patron since we were starting the show. Let's see. How do I look? I got to go to Patreon. And no. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Not yet. Where is my sound effects? Whoop. <laughs> this is what happens when I go on Patreon and there's no new patrons. It's all right. Maybe one day what will happen, what we'll do is we'll, we need some more patrons, as you know. We need about a thousand more of you. Then we will do the show every day. Wait. And we will make the Saturday show our specials. Okay? But 
we got to get there. That's why I ask you to become a patron and also share the show with your friends. And if you can, super chat, join us on Discord. You could super chat during the show. That helps too. We need it. We need it. Everything costs money. <laughs> Benson, Shannon writes, Benson loved that last sound effect. That's the sad trombone. Benson is Shannon's dog. Shannon will have to get on Discord. I keep telling her to go on Discord and post on Discord in the pets section. We have a pet section. You can post pictures of your pets. Look how fun it is. I'll show it to you. Wait, you can't see it. How come? Hmm. Entire screen. There we go. See? There's Tara Jr. Jr. and Francis Jr. Jr. on the refrigerator. There's Daniel and his dog. I love him. I don't know. What is his, do you put his name? Legendary Revolutionary. Semiotic of Plurality and the Revolution of Pluralism. El Negro. What's his name? Negron Tapancos? What? El Negro Matape. How do you pronounce that? Holy Christ. Let me see if I can look that up. Pronunciation. Hmm, that's interesting. Negro Matapacos is translated as black cop killer. All right, that's cool. Well, I mean, not cool. I'm not into killing. But I wasn't expecting that. A Chilean dog that acquired fame due to his participation in the street protests that took place in Santiago, Chile during the 2010s. That's awesome. See, I'm learning. I didn't know that. Daniel is... I'm really, I have to say, happy he's one of our patrons and a, a frequent contributor to Tara Buster and viewer, liker of videos, sharer of videos and participant in the chat room and he isn't a he's a font of information and history political science communications amazing yeah we have a lot of amazing people here a lot and then there's me i can't seem to get the back picture working properly but you know I am the host of the show what are you going to do I'm I, the reason I'm kind of stalling a little bit because in my mind I'm debating what to talk about I, I know what I want to talk about but it's I'm like eh, should I talk about this yeah why not because cause Trump sucks. We understand that. But I'm in big... Uh, I have a lot of concerns. Of course, I told you that a couple of days ago, I got a text from the Joe Biden campaign. And they said, Joe Biden is about to pick his running mate. Who shall it be? And I texted back, <laughs> Nina Turner. And the whoever it was on the other who was controlling these texts, 
texted me back. We are immediately, let me see. We, I'm trying to find the exact text so I don't misquote it. We are immediately removing you from our list. Have a nice day. And I was like, oh, opting out. That's what they wrote. We are immediately opting you out of our list. Have a nice day. And I was like, excuse me? Did I ask to be opted out? Is Nina Turner, did I call you the F word or the B word? or what? I, I, I didn't know Nina Turner would elicit that response. I didn't ask to be opted out. I'm on effing Twitler's emails list. I like to keep up with what's going on. Isn't it my right? I don't know. I guess you don't have a right to be on a mailing list, but do they have a right to kick me off? Because I said Nina Turner. So that pissed me off. Really. And it shows what we're up against. And I explain yet again, when people say on the chat, they'll say, oh, you're the reason why Joe Biden is going to lose and Twitler will win. That I'm not the reason. I'm not the reason. If I point out the truth and what's the facts of policy, the the history of Joe Biden's policy, and that's somehow going to make him lose, then it's not me making it's It's the DNC yet again. So, and the dirty tricks that they allow the Republicans to get away with. Are you kidding me? Do you think that if the Democrats pulled the the gerrymandering, the voter suppression, the the dirty tricks that the Republicans pull on Democrats, and if the Democrats did that to the Republicans, that the Republicans would remain silent about it. Absolutely not. The Democrats are part of the problem. The corporate Democrats. And that annoyed me, obviously. I'm still annoyed by it. But what really annoyed me... Hold on. Another thing that annoyed me today was... Let's see. Hold on. I learned, probably as you did... John Kasich is going to speak at the Democratic National Convention? What? No, there's not a not, there's not a Nina Turner you can ask to speak? You got to get Kasich? John Kasich? Oh, I see. This is how we they this is how we're going to win, right? We're going to reach across the aisle by being Republicans. That's what these DLC corporate Republicans think. They think the problem is that they're not Republican enough. You get it? They don't seem to remember history. That the only reason FDR wasn't elected a fifth time was because he was dead, not because he passed Republican policies and called it democratic. And the great prosperity was built by the Democratic Party, of FDR that promoted unions, that taxed the rich, that ensured a working class had a, 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 a seat at the table. 
and a fair share of the profits their labor made possible. Not that, not because he reached across the aisle to Republicans. In fact, he never missed the opportunity to tell and remind the, Repub- the American people just who was on their side, that it was the Republicans who left them ill-clothed, ill-housed, ill, ill-fed, ill, ill on the streets in the Republican Great Depression. That it, and he called it the Republican Great Depression. In fact, he joked, if I was a Republican, if I was, well, what, how he put it was, if I was speaking in mixed company, meaning if I was addressing a room of Republicans and Democrats, the last word in the entire English language that I would ever use would be the word depression. And everyone laughed. Because it was the Republicans who caused the Republican Great Depression and then refused to do anything about it while the American people were ill-clothed, ill-fed, ill-housed. And that's by design. They like it that way. They like you nice and desperate. So here comes Joe Biden. He's not listening to me. He's not listening to progressives. What, what is the problem? This is what I don't understand. And that's why I asked, just like I asked Republicans, what is it? Tell me something, one thing that Republicans have done to help the working class. Give me one policy that they enacted that is specifically, oh, get down, kid that is specifically meant to help the working class, not just help, but, well, I guess help. At this point, that's all you can ask for from these filthy fascists. What have the Republicans done? Anything. A policy. Now, I'm, talk- I'm not talking about now with this pandemic. Oh, they ha- they signed off on the benefits. Now they're holding them over people's heads as if this is what people want. People living check to check who are worried if they're going to be able to pay their mortgage or their rent, if they're going to lose their homes, they got to stress out every day. That's what it means to be an American, right? You got your gray hairs before your time because you're worrying and wondering if the Republicans are going to trickle on you a little bit. And you have to live in this constant state of fear and stress. Gee, I hope I don't get sick. Gee, I hope I don't have to go on GoFundMe for health care. Oh, shit. Now I hope I don't have to. Uh, I hope the unemployment, is, the extended unemployment is passed so I can make my rent and I don't lose my home. But that's your Republican Party. And I ask the um, I've asked the Republicans, I, if you come to the show and you stumble in here to call me the C-word or a dyke or something, fine. Um, do me a favor. Let me uh, educate me a little bit. What have Republicans done to help the American people? Give me something. D- did they pass something? Did they pass a policy? In fact, no. 
everything that they have done has been to undermine the economic security, the stability, the health, wealth, well-being of the American working class. Constantly. Not a, they never miss a trick. Even this undermine, they want to, they're coming for the, for the payroll tax. That is all to cut you off at the knees. A payroll tax when you don't have a payroll, but okay, that goes to show you who they are. They want to destroy social security because that makes you too uppity. You understand? And if you're old and you're living in your daughter's basement because you can't afford your own place or you can't get on Section 8 housing or whatever, and you're, who cares? You're, go die. That's, you're, you're not useful anymore. The fascists say, you know, just like the Hitler, Hitler used to say, you're a useless eater. You're past your prime. You're not, you're nothing. You're not worthy. All lives matter, my ass. So just like I ask Republicans, what have Republicans ever done to help the American working class? I ask Democrats, corporate Dems, not FDR Dems, not me, me and you, not the Nina Turners of the world, the normal American progressives, the people who could see the forest through the trees, who understand, you know, the history of Western civilization. I asked the corporate Dems, the ones who are like, ah, you know, health care for some, subsidies for others, here's another education grant for one. Forget uh, fixing the system. But anyway, I asked them, what does it mean to be a Democrat? What is a Democrat? What is a Joe Biden Democrat? What, when Joe Biden said, I ain't a socialist, I ain't a plutocrat, I'm a Democrat. Tell me, what does that mean? I can't figure it out. You know what it means. I know what it means. Just like this John Kasich. I'm going to speak at the, at the Democratic convention? Are you crazy? I'm going to be like puking here. It means that you are, you, you, you all share the same neoliberal policies, the, the same neoliberal corporate establishment takeover. That's fine. You like it like that. You have zero problem with money in politics. You are benefiting from the broken-ass system. And you see no reason to change it. You think that the best we can do, you know, that's your, your work, is organizing a march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge with a whole bunch of corporate political insiders. But is there legislation waiting for them on the other side of that bridge? No. It's just a show. Oh, wow. They they walked across the bridge together. That's great. There was a time, okay, they couldn't even do that. 
Well, all right. Well, how come then everything's not fixed? How come now the middle class is less than 50% of the population when they walked across the bridge? It was actually more. We had a 90% top... Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about not when they walked across the bridge. When I'm talking about when um, John Lewis originally, you know, got his ass beaten on the bridge. So I, I think I... I was a little, I'm a little confused though, right? About what the point is. Is it, why would you get beaten? Is it just because you could walk across the bridge? Is that all? Maybe. So you could be a member of Congress. Then you're an insider. Because I was watching, oh God, I wish I had it. Now that I'm saying it. I wonder if I have it actually. There's, I grabbed one of these promos on MSNBC. I thought I had it. Let me see. Let me see if I can find it. It might be on YouTube. I bet you they posted it. But there was this YouTube... I mean, uh, there's this promo on MSNBC. And it's John Lewis going, "Uh, If you want to tell me that... Let me see. Hold on. That we haven't come a long way... I say, look at me, or whatever. I came from sharecroppers to the halls of Congress, and blah, blah, blah. That's great. Well, this is what they do to us, though. When I want, I, I have to grab this promo. I really got to. I wish I had it. But when I... Because here's the thing. They, they do that. It's sort of like, Oh, look, one guy made it. So what's wrong with you? Obviously, the system works. And uh, we all know that it doesn't work. When we live in a country where in the middle of a pandemic, the pandemic has exposed the broken system. So when the system, everything shuts down and the American people are waiting on food bank lines and losing their homes. And when 80%, even before living check to check, that's not a great system. So what John Lewis is in the halls of Congress now hanging out with Kevin McCarthy. Okay. It annoys me because that's what they do. It's like, the, the the DLC Democrats, what they do is they don't address the broken system at all. They don't do they don't do what is needed. They write fifteen hundred page policies that that fix that do everything but fix what needs to what needs to be fixed. And they will raise uh, okay uh, Pell grants and. They'll make more education. All right, here, here's some subsidies over here. But everything is broken. And okay, just because John Lewis became a congressman or senator, excuse me, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything. That's good for him and his family. 
but does that sound like E Pluribus Unum? Oh, I, I, I gotta get this fucking promo. You might have seen it. You probably know what I'm talking about. Because it really irritated me, and it was like everything that we're talking about. I tell them, look at me. I'm just looking at, at I'm trying to find, going through these old videos I grabbed. You don't, you guys don't understand. The show, that's why I need a producer. That's why I ask you to become a patron, because my sh my entire day, every day, is spent producing. <laughs> is this, I'm not just watching TV. I'm not just whatever. You got to do it. You got to just pr keep producing. Let me see. Oh, okay. No, no. Oh, well, well, well. Well, anyway. Uh, I hate when I do that and I talk about something and I don't, I'm, I don't have it. But anyway, let me just check in on you. Let's see if anybody's left in the chat. You might have all taken off. Thank you, Martin, for your super chat. Thank you all. Hmm. All right. I'm not doing another four hours. I can't. We're going to do another show tomorrow. But you need to become a patron right now. Somebody needs. Someone needs to be a patron. Here's one thing I wanted to talk about. Like I say, everything that Republicans touch turns to shit. Oh, hi, Junior. Get back here. Are you here? Together. Come on. Come on. All right, then stay there. I saw that 401ks were trending on Twitter today. Here we go. 401k plans no longer make sense for savers. No longer make sense. The inherent extra returns participants enjoyed for many years has almost disappeared because of changes in the tax law. It, it's a stupid idea to begin with. That's why when the first 401k generation retired, it didn't look good. Because then you have to go... What happens if you run out of money? What if you keep living? Most people don't have enough money to keep them, uh, to sustain them until they die. That's because Republicans suck. Conservatives suck. Let's, let's keep it real. Everything they do is meant to undermine the American worker. I know. I asked you to come up. Get up. Come on. Come. Are you getting up there? Finally, Jesus Christmas. The 401k retirement plan was authorized by the Revenue Act of 78, 1978, which took effect in 1980. But its real genesis is the 1974 Employee Retirement Income Security Act. As you see, they name it all kinds of bullshit. Retirement Income Security Maybe if it was some kind of addendum, not addendum, or addition to pensions. No, it's bullshit. 
it's a way to keep the average dum-dum. This is why Republicans, well, why Twitler, he'll get into one of his Nuremberg rallies and he'll say, how's your 401k? They, they're laughing at you, assholes. You're an idiot. Your 401k is bullshit. It's a scam, just like the Trump Network vitamins. The rich get richer. They're reaping, reaping buku profits. Oh, you get your little trickle, your little pittance? Well, it ain't gonna last. I can t- tell you. I, uh, we, I mean, we all know. My, uh, my friend Wayne, he tells me all the time. His, he has put in everything that his financial advisor told him to put in. And years ago, when this... 401k was signed into law the financial planner said if you put in whatever it was i don't even know a hundred thousand dollars i mean this guy has money he's a friend of mine but he's rich okay not richer than me he's not he's not one percent he's not he's not jeff bezos he's doing fine though and he pulled um they they said if you put a hundred thousand dollars in your 401k you will have a million dollars by whatever it was, 20, 2020, like now. And he was like, it's, it never happened. It never happened. Not even close. The ups and downs of the market. You, who the hell, first of all, that's the problem. We all have to become financial advisors and then good luck because thanks to Twitler and the Republicans, this is what they do. One of the first bills that Twitler signed was he took away the fiduciary responsibility that your financial advisor has to you. So back again, they can, because what, oh, one of the things Obama did was he made it, he signed an executive order ensuring that Financial advisors had to have a fiduciary interest in the client. Of course, Twitler can't have that. Republicans can't have that. They need you to be at their mercy. So when your granny goes in with whatever she had, whatever her husband left her or whatever, that's she's it's uh, the sheep handing it to the wolf. You better be, you really better hope that they could be selling you any bullshit. That, and it was a consequence of the near second Republican Great Depression in 100 years because that's what was happening. These financial advisors, they were funneling people into these risky ventures because it was paying back for the broker and you they just needed your money you were in, what you are as a human being is incidental in that plan so john fowler says on the chat i've heard of people retiring with a couple of million in their 401k well they're the they're the ones i guess you've heard of i'd like good for them but the as the New York Times did many exposés, and you, you know, most people they're not they don't have enough to retire. And also, the fact is, 
you better hope that you have enough for the rest of your life and that the market's on an upswing when you want to retire. So let's see. The tax advantage of a 401k depends on four factors, all of which have changed dramatically since 1980. For a medium income marriage couple with children, the marginal federal income tax rate was 43% in 1980. It's 12% today. That's why we have such rapacious, disgusting, concentrated wealth, by the way. The marginal tax rate. The capital gains tax rate was 28% in 1980. It is 0% today. John Fowler says, I had one from 89 to 98. I only got it up to 50K. I know. You going to live on that for the rest of your life? $50,000? Good luck. Yeah, in between my three uniquely American low-paying jobs and driving my Uber, I'm going to become a financial advisor. Yeah, let's play the market. Yeah. Mama needs a new pair of shoes. Ridiculous. Yeah, we, that's why Social Security, oh, you don't have the ups and downs. You know, you're not riding the market. It has, that's why the Social Security lockbox has $2 trillion in it. It's not meant to be, um... Like the the turn of the wheel. You're not playing freaking roulette with people's lives. This is why this country needs a spiritual revival, frankly. It's we have to get back to E Pluribus Unum. That's why we talk about on the show. What's the motto of the show? We stick together, we win. Not I got mine, Jack. Sucks to be you. We're in this together. If this goddamn pandemic doesn't say that, what the hell will? Oh, wow. Warner Mo- Music Rights Group has released the claim on my video on Facebook. It was probably some... When we play videos here on Tarabuster. Sometimes in the middle of the show on Facebook, that's why I encourage people to go watch the show on YouTube. They don't do this as often. Sometimes in the middle of the show, if I'm playing a video from MSNBC or whatever, and we're talking about it, Facebook will shut the video down. It's annoying. The show will be over on Facebook. It'll still be going. We'll still be recording. And... After the show, I'll get a little pop-up. It'll say, Warner Brothers has, uh, your your video is violating copyrights or whatever. And then I'll go to the video and I'll submit a dispute and they release it. But it's days later and they've already shut down the stream. So the show is broken. That's why I do encourage people to go. I don't mind you on Facebook, of course. I stream to Facebook. We go through Restream, it streams to Facebook, to Twitch, to YouTube, to Periscope, but I encourage people to go on YouTube to watch, because also there are, that's where the community is, there's more people there, and you could put in some Super Chats, if you are so inclined. All right. 
the capital gains rate of uh, the capital gains tax rate in in 1980 was 28%. It is zero today. I'm telling you guys, this is why this effing concentrated wealth is so... It, that's why we're living in a, in the economic disparity is wider than it was in ancient Rome. And that's not democracy. That's exactly... All of the statistics that I'm reading, all of the, the tax rate... In 1980, was 43%. It w- went down. It was, he's talking about, this writer is talking about marginal tax rate. We know Eisenhower famously, 90% top marginal tax rate. Reagan took it down. Well, first it was JFK took it down to set uh, below 70, but he also closed all the loopholes. So then, not all, I don't know exactly all, but then the rich weren't able to dodge their taxes, the marginal tax rates. Reagan took it below 50%, and now it's down to 12%. And as math, history, and and reality show us that when you have a marginal tax rate below 50%, that's when you start getting the boom and bust and this wide income gap that is in, it's not sustainable well it's sustainable if you want to have a serfs and lords economy and that's what the republicans want that's what conservatives want and that's why this show and like and those like it are so important because we have to have the american people when they hear this when they get it, they understand and they get that it's not democracy. You can't have a concentrated wealth and income disparity like this and have a functioning democratic republic. It is impossible. These are the things that have to change, not walking across a bridge arm in arm. Okay? That's nice. But that's not, that's wonderful photo op. But it didn't fix the, the capital gains and the income disparity and the upward immobility that is crushing us. Everybody. Okay, and the capital gains tax 28% in 1980, 0% today, which says, guess what? We pay more. As working people, we are paying more tax than somebody who is getting money, counting a paycheck from Wall Street, sitting on his ass. That tells you, what does that tell you? If this was a functioning society, if this was a society that, that respected workers, over, you know, they love their great workers, right? Trump's always like, I love, he's hitting a, he's pretending to ride a giant truck. I mean, a child, a disgusting pandering that anybody with uh, eyes should be able to see right through. But, oh yeah, they love, uh, he likes to wear his hard hat and look like a tough guy. He is, it's, It's so transparent, you morons. Not you guys. 
I'm talking to the moron Trump and Z's, the Trump cult. They hate you. This is what the government, the bought and paid for politicians, they wrote those laws that made the tax rate on capital gains zero? Yeah, really. That's right. And that's why they're going to take away the $600 that is ki- that are keeping us afloat. Now imagine, you know, all of the giveaways to the top 1% that have been going on in our lifetime. And in the crisis, every crisis that they cause, they get to funnel more money into their own pockets while we die. While we die, death by despair is going through the roof in this country. We should be ashamed of ourselves that we allow it to continue. And that's why they want us nice and divided. And the dumb, dumb Trumpanzees, they buy into it. So I'm here to tell you, we are in this together. Everybody in, nobody out. That's the only American value. And even those on the other side who are living on the other side of the tracks, on the right side of Reaganomics, so to speak, if they were patriots, they'd understand that too. Jeff Bezos, he should be begging to be taxed at a 90% top marginal tax rate if he loved his country. No, he wants to go to Mars. Well, get the fuck out already. Don't let the goddamn uh, escape hatch on your space shuttle hit you in the ass. Go to Mars. Get lost. Who needs you? He just went... His his riches... How many billions did he just earn in a day? All of that amongst all of his people could make an actual difference. There is no reason why one human being deserves, earned that amount of money. That's sick. All right, you want to come back? Get up. Come on, come on, come. Get up, you got to jump. He's screaming at me. Everybody's yelling at me. Oh, my God. Interest rates in 1980 were around 15% compared to 0% today. Making some reasonable assumptions about a worker with 30 years to retirement, the 1980 version of the 401k tax deferral was equivalent to an additional investment return of 9.2% per year, an extraordinary incentive to save for retirement even without an employer match. Using today's numbers, the benefit comes out to a meager 0.6%, considerably less than 1% or 2% in fees investors pay in their typical plans. That example compares investments paying ordinary tax rates yearly, but investors also have an option of using tax-efficient investments, taxed mainly at capital gains rates, at the time of withdrawal, in 1980, the 401k plan had a 2.5 annual advantage over tax-efficient investments. In 2020, there is no tax advantage remaining to the 401k. So in 1980, you think that they'll change that, though? No, 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 no. They are laughing. 
they are, it's happy days are here again, dum-dums. They got everything they wanted. They get their hands on your stupid money because you don't know what you're doing. They get to play with it like, uh, you know, like any, like it's, not, you know, like smad money. And they get the added bonus of your complete and utter malleable uh, entire cr crushed and divided American working class. Everybody in there for themselves. Hoping, working, oh, let me work hard and play by the rules. Well, the rules are rigged. So you're never going to get ahead. You can work your four uniquely American low-paying jobs. You will never get ahead in a system that is rigged against you. That's why Republicans hate unions. That's why Republicans hate the entire working class. They like it like this. When there's 40 million out of work, they are celebrating. Are you kidding me? They're dancing in the streets because they like you nice and desperate. Giving more money to you? Oh, you don't have any incentive to work? Are you kidding me? Nobody works harder than people on the wrong side of Reaganomics. I say it again. These effing bastards, they rigged this game, and then they use their propaganda channels to pound in this incessant, the incessant loathing that they have for the working class. Oh, you're lazy. You're a taker. You're hanging out in the social safety net hammock. You're not a maker. Really? We are the ones. We're the makers. They're the takers. You get it? Oh, Jeff Bezos, he made a bookstore online. Does that mean he, he gets to be a trillionaire? I have a little suspicion that there were other people involved in his success. In fact, the American people wouldn't even be in online without the American research and development paid for by taxpayers. How about those Amazon trucks riding those roads that we paid for? People driving those trucks, reading signs paid for by you and me, able to read thanks to the American worker, the American taxpayer. That they get up in the morning to go to, to Amazon to work and they drink their coffee and that coffee's ex inspected. The water's inspected. They're not staying home with parasites. They eat food that's inspected by we the people. Well, not anymore. Well, that's another story. We Republicans have wrecked that. If, they, if you're eating meat, I, I, I challenge you to Google pork and toenails. Okay? And FDA. Pork, toenails, FDA. It'll probably bring it up. Pork. Toenails. I don't want to get into it right now. Exactly. Well, you can also Google pork, toenails, poop, and hair. You'll find it. That's what you're eating. I don't eat animals, but that's what you're eating, not me. That's what he's eating. 
but he can. He's he can eat that. That's his stomach was made to eat all that crap. Not ours. That's why you might get sick. You don't even know it. You don't know that it's come from you're eating a t- the pig toenails or something. All right, whatever. Oh, brother, there's so much work to do. It's overwhelming. Really? Oh, my God. Wait a minute here. So many... Did, Shannon! Another super chat. Wait a minute. Jim, thank you for your super chat. Covert White Rabbit, thank you. Thank you, Mark C. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Shannon. Haiku. And another from Martin. Jesus. Number one fan. I have a couple of number one fans, Martin. They insist they're the number ones. Greg, he's a number one fan. He really is kind of, though. The number one Tower Buster fan. He's the number one patron, that's for sure. He is the most... He gives the most patronage each month. So Greg is the number one. I have to give him a... He's he's really number one. It's okay. There's there's more room at the top in my heart. (laughs) I'm only kidding. There's no room in my heart. I have no heart. I wish, please. I have... My heart... It sucks having a heart. No, I'm constantly crying animal commercials and animals makes me cry things make me cry life sucks sometimes right it's so you know what sucks it would be better that's why it sucks um the stupidity sucks being around the ignorant sucks we understand the ups and downs and that people are messed up because they're damaged but you don't put a damaged sociopath and an entire cabal of greed-centered ghosts of the Gilded Age. You don't put them in charge, especially in a crisis. They're vile. We have to be better than that. You know what I mean? How aren't we better than that? All right, one last thing we're going to talk about. Because we're going to do a show tomorrow. I'm going to try. If there is a patron, a new patron, there is no doubt there will be a show tomorrow. I have to stick to my guns. And I've been saying, I'm only going to do shows when we have a new patron. I can't do it like that. I can't be, you got to be flexible. I know. And plus the fact that I, about hearing about Michael Brooks tonight. Oh, yes. Well, this morning I heard about it. I didn't know. I wasn't paying attention. What a shock. I'm in, I'm still in shock. It's beyond belief. I hate to hear when a young person dies like that with so much potential and had so much to offer and so much left to do. My God. Like, for example, I know people are saying, oh, what a loss, John Lewis. He's one of the greats. I 
maybe I'm misinformed. I only see, I don't, I'm not that old. I don't, I'm not a contemporary of, of, I don't really know exactly. I understand what he did. I know he marched with, he was with the civil rights movement. I know that he put his ass on the line and he got it beaten down and he stood up and he kept going and he said, we won't wait. We don't have patience. I appreciate that a thousand percent. That's how we have to be. We're not going to wait. We're not going to take, uh, okay, do it a little slowly or no. What's right? Human rights are human rights. Civil rights. So there's, why should we wait? We've waited long enough. I appreciate that. But then I see, you know, we talked about this the other day. Him giving a pass at, what's his name, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, it's just, okay. So you got a nice job as a senator. That's great. Good for you. You got good health care. He was the conscience of the Senate, they keep saying. Okay, well, what did you do? Did you change Kevin McCarthy's mind? He still voted against. They're still sitting on the voting rights, the revisions, the fixes to the Voting Rights Act. That's how, while well, 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 tweeting such condolences, the these hypocrites, they should be ashamed, but they don't have the capacity for shame because, you know, you're such a good friend. You're giving them, you give them, uh, give them a shield, a human shield. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. That's what Terror Buster is all about. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just calling it out. I know we all have blind spots. I know I do. We all do. I don't, you can point them out to me. If you're like, Terry, you're being a goddamn hypocrite. Point it out. I'll look at it. But come on. We all have to look at it. We all have to look at ourselves. It's action. Words are cheap, man. They're cheap. Talk is cheap. Look at Mitch McConnell's Twitter feed. On the day that uh, that uh, John Lewis passed away. Talk is cheap, you Moscow Mitch goddamn with the Chinese um, spy for a wife? I mean, come on. He's sitting on the Voting Rights Act. This is the guy that said his proudest moment was that he told Barack Obama he wasn't going to fill the Supreme Court seat. Oh, we all walked across the bridge, Mitch McConnell says. My proudest, I love it. No, he said his... um, I'll never forget when we walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge arm in arm and I went back to my Mitch McConnell cushy office and did absolutely nothing to make the world a better place. In fact, I wiped my ass with the Constitution and did everything I could to kick down on every on all the dupes going, ain't that great? Look at them walking across the bridge arm in arm. I, I'm not that easily impressed, I guess. Maybe I should be. Uh, yay. 
they're walking across a bridge. Oh, excuse me while I finish my GoFundMe page for medical care. Excuse me while... Oh, I, I saw them walking across the bridge, but I was too tired. I was passed out after working my three uniquely American low-paying jobs. To really applaud. I'm exhausted. I couldn't applaud. I was trying, but it was all that repetitive motion I had to do at my uniquely American low-paying job. At one of them. Oh, I can't... Now we have 40 million out of work, so... Maybe we can go, yay! Now we can applaud. Mamma mia. What is going on in this chat room? Let's see. Scrack Scarecrow could be another great nickname for Mitch. That's true. Resist Evolve says. He's disgusting. I'm not just talking about his looks. He might be actually kind of weirdly cute in a way, like a weird alien specimen, if he wasn't such an evil demon. But he's gross. I don't even mean, I don't mean on the outside. They're just gross people. Gross, gross people with gross, gross ideology. And that's why we have to keep pushing the liberal media, pushing shows like this into the forefront, get them in front of as many people as possible. We're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of democracy and the right side of humanity. I, I'm telling you. You know it. All right, one last thing before we get unconscious... Where was I? Well, many things. I just wanted to mention that today on Twitler's, when he gave his press conference, he he admitted. He's such a, he's such a disgusting, gross, fascist, and I don't want to call him pig because pigs are charming and intelligent, but he admitted, which I found well, whatever, many, they can't help but tell the truth sometimes, that he had absolutely no plan. He actually said, we are in the process of developing a strategy that's going to be very, very, very powerful. <laughs> Isn't that great? Oh, they haven't come up with one yet. It's only 140,000 people dead, th uh, 4 million sick and counting, 40 million out of work, let me show you what I'm looking at here. Well, not that. That's too much to look at. Let's see. Right here. Beep, bop, boop. I got to put this over. Let's see if you can hear so it. So important. We've learned so much about this disease. And we know who the vulnerable are. And we are going to indeed shield them. And again, the vaccines are coming, and coming a lot sooner than anyone thought possible. Oh, yeah. No By one years. ever, no one could ever believe. And of course, he's got to dig at his predecessor. No one ever could believe. See, he is a whiny little bitch. He's not a man. 
He's not a human. He's a whiny little bitch. He's a black hole of need, and and he's an energy sucker. So I ask again, how much longer we are we going to take it? And what's wrong with us that we continue to participate in this bullshit? When he said today that, hey, everybody, I'm coming back with my with my freaking Trump show, so-called press conferences, because they were getting great ratings when I was telling people to inject themselves with bleach. Why a single solitary other human being from any so-called corporate media outlet, why any of them were in the room is beyond belief and also a sign of the broken system. I get it. You'll have OAN in there. You'll have Fox News in there. Fine, let them stay in there and ask the con man questions and become uh, just an outlet to... To catapult the propaganda. They don't need CNN, MSNBC, and every other outlet under the sun. What needs to happen is the humanity, the human race, has to get a clue and stop participating in the charade. This is not a president. This is a con man. He is, he didn't receive the most votes. I don't care. He is illegitimate, and on top of it, he's a corrupt little whiny little bitch. He's not the president. He is incapable, utterly and entirely incapable of doing this job. If it was any one of us, if you were so inept and you were so bad at your job that you killed 140,000 people, and sickened four million and friggin' caused 40 million more to lose their jobs, you would be fired. But no, Republicans understand their uh, allegiance to greed. That's their only motivation, greed and power and the destruction of the grand experiment. That's it. They want an oligarchy. They don't care if there's an orange baboon just wiping his ass with the entire country. They don't care how many people die. <clears throat> no, they're doing fine. You see, Jeff Bezos just made $83 million, $83 billion in one day. In one day, while these scumbags, all of them, played with your life like you're a, you are a piece of gum stuck on their shoe. Ugh, get this off of me, these scums. Let them go die. Let their kids die. Let their mothers and fathers in old age homes die. Who cares? They're worried about getting sick. They are nothing. Let them meet Jesus. Didn't they buy our Jesus scam? We told them all about a mansion in heaven. They don't want to go. They don't want to go to work. Well, fuck them. We're taking their cushion away. Let them die. They'll be desperate by the time we're through. We'll have them on their knees where they belong. Yeah, USA, USA. 
Let's listen. If you look at the old system and look at the new system, I think by years, the China virus is a vicious and dangerous illness, but we've learned a great deal about it. The China virus. We are uh, in the process of developing a strategy that's going to be very, very powerful. We've developed them as we go along. Some areas of our country are doing very well. Others are doing less well. Very, very well. Say very again, you fucking doltard. We're in the process. Virus is a vicious and dangerous illness, but we've learned a great deal about it and who it targets. Uh, we are uh, in the process of developing a strategy that's going to be oh. very, very powerful. We've developed them as we go along. Oh, well, thanks. It's about time. You're developing a strategy. It's only been 140,000 dead. More mass graves than nobody's ever seen. No one ever seen mass graves like this since World War II, at least. No one has ever seen. We Nobody could ever have imagined the mass graves that you would create in this country, Twitler. I know. He's a monster. He's a monster, little one. Don't even think of him. Don't worry your beautiful mind about him, Jared Jr. Jr. Oh, no, the China virus. Oh, here's another video. Where is that that I captured? He's, he's such a whiny little bitch. Imagine if Obama whined like this. Of course, the filthy, disgusting Republicans would be whining them. They'd be crying. Oh. It came from China. It should have never been allowed to get out. They could have stopped it. They could have stopped it easily. They chose not to. And uh, we'll have further reports on that. Yeah, we'll be waiting for those reports, Twitler. They could have stopped it. They could have stopped it easy. Bullshit. They could have stopped it. Yeah, they didn't want to stop it. They, they wanted it to get out. You know how they are. The China virus and all. What a little fucking tiny little disgrace. The China virus. And if... These effing, effing, gross, disgusting Trump Trumpanzies start saying China virus. We are, we know that they're disgusting. It's like Democrat Party. This, it's the, um, it's, it's like a gang sign, like flashing a gang sign. Say, I'm on your team. I'm with you. Oh, the China virus. If only the Republicans themselves were the ones that felt the sting of the lash of their policies. Unfortunately, normal people suffer too. The China virus. There ain't no virus like the Trump virus. He is... Is this, is this really somebody that is worthy of the sacrifices of all those who ever fought, bled, and died to entrust a democratic republic to us. And this is the guy that gets to squat in the Oval Office. It makes me want to vomit. The China virus? What a fucking disgusting... It's getting late, so now the F-bombs are flying. 
What a freak. What a monster. The China virus. Oh, anybody but yourself, right? Don't blame blame anybody but yourself. Got to blame China. Got to blame somebody else. Somebody. Uh, who cares if we have American people of Chinese descent who are being attacked by Trump and Z's? The Trump and Z's are the bane of this country. They are the unpatriotic ghouls who infest this sick-ass body politic thanks to the dumb, the Trump virus and the Republican enabler virus. The China virus. You little excuse-making, sociopathic Twitter troll. He's got no business being anywhere near any, any human being much less the Oval Office. This is a con man. He is a fake businessman. He's not a businessman at all. He's a fucking con man. He is a tax cheat. He hates America. He is confused by America. Worse than hating it, he's fucking confused. He doesn't know what it means to be an American. That's why he thinks that fascist... Stormtroopers are strong, very, very strong, very, very important. What a very, very dumb bitch he is. But it came from China. They could have stopped it. They didn't. They stopped it from going into China, but they didn't stop it from going. It came from China, but they didn't. They could have stopped it, but they didn't. They stopped it from going into China. They were like, yeah, yeah. It was sort of like hot potato. Oh, here comes the virus. Oh, we don't like it. Drop it. Send it over to Twitler. He'll be able to handle it. I thought that nobody could fix it but him. Only I can fix it. But all I hear are excuses and excuses and excuses. You don't, I never heard excuses like this from a child much less a grown man. This is a fucking disgusting... I can't even... There's so many words coming out of my mouth, and I said I wasn't going to curse. It's almost unavoidable. I'm sure that when this orange piece of wasted human DNA slithered out of his mother, she was like, fuck. What kind of shit is this? I, that, I, they, she was like, that came out of me? That ugly piece of wasted human DNA? Ew. Jesus Christ. On a bike, help us. And you know what? Again, I ask, what's wrong with us? Why? 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 Why do we let it continue? Why do we go along with the charade? And I have to say, I, I this is why I ask you to support the liberal media, this show, and others like it, Mike Malloy, Bob Kincaid, you know, the real liberal media, because I was watching today when I watched Twitler on his press conference, like nobody's ever seen, blah, 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 China virus, China virus, nobody's ever seen. He... There, it was Chuck Todd was sitting in MSNBC's anchor chair. Okay, we got to go. They they had all their pundits sitting around 
again, I want to, I really want to knock my head against the wall. They're like, what do you think his tone will be today? Again, with this fucking tone. What do you think his tone will be? Stop pretending that he is capable of doing the job. This is part of the problem. The tone, what is the tone going to be? How come you're not telling the American people enough is enough with this shit? The, uh, how come you're not saying to them, fuck t- Twitter's tone, tw- Twitler's tone, forget it. We're not talking about his tw- tone. In fact, we're not even going to watch the press conference. Let's talk about the fact that 80% of the American people live check to check and how much longer are we going to take it? Are we going to allow it to continue? No, please, that won't happen. That would mean this is a functioning democratic republic. You see? And into in that functioning democratic republic, a an autocrat, a wannabe dictator, a, a dictator-envying con man is not capable of rising into the executive office, much less and he wouldn't even be able to become dog catcher in a functioning uh, society. No way. Oh, my God. So Joe Biden, all right, He's he wants John Kasich. That's your bipartisanship there. There you go. Forget it. The, me, I get kicked off of the the opt-in message board because I say Nina Turner and John Kasich. Let's remember yet again, John Kasich is really not a, he's, he's kind of a nightmare, but that's why we have to support liberal media. I'm asking you, I'm telling, I'm also telling you, and you also know it though. So I don't even have to ask and tell. I am asking and I am telling. But you know it already. Let me see. John Kasich. Ah, It's too late to get into this. Moderate John Kasich is actually terrifying. Here's an article from Rolling Stone. Kasich may not be the racist egomaniac that Trump is, but he'd take America backward a thousand ways. John Kasich is an appealing guy, isn't he? He went to a same-sex wedding once. He thinks Donald Trump's plan to deputize violent thugs at his rallies... Wait, wait, wait. So they can kick out all the brown people is pretty unreasonable. His folksy mis- Midwestern dad charm fits Democrats fits of terror when we imagine him facing in facing him in the general election. He's the anti-Trump and the anti-Ted Cruz, neither a demonstrably racist egomaniac nor a pinched and sleazy blowhard. Add that together and it spells moderate. Kasich was always supposed to be the moderate in the race, which is why he hasn't, he wasn't given much of a chance until, uh, let alone, blah, 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 it says late in the game. We're, we're t- this is an article written in what year? Oh, in 2016. 
All right. He has as much shot at the nomination as Ted Cruz. But we know what happened in this blah, blah, blah. Let's get to the meat of the matter. After all, he'll tempt plenty of independents against Hillary. We know the end of the story and blah, blah, blah. Despite his carefully cultivated appearance and despite comparisons to the moron and the goblin left standing next to him, John Kasich is no moderate. A cursory look at his record proves the opposite. On the issues that matter, Kasich is a deep red conservative who would do everything in his power to move America in an ugly and more regressive direction. Let's look at what, just one issue, the right of women in Ohio to get an abortion when they need one. As governor, Kasich has done everything in his power to put a roadblock after roadblock in their way. Kasich has worked with the legislature to jam some of the nation's most restrictive anti-abortion policies into the state budget. In 2013, the budget defund defunded Planned Parenthood, eliminating 1.4 million in federal funds that went toward a variety of health care services. And not a penny towards abortion, since federal dollars can't pay for abortions anyway. That same budget funded the so-called crisis pregnancy centers, fake health care centers that offer free pregnancy tests and sometimes an ultrasound to draw women into the door, where counselors pry them with false information claiming that abortion rates or abortions cause everything from breast cancer to cooties. Thanks to Kasich, women in Ohio who need an abortion must must undergo an ultrasound, and a doctor must describe the fetus to them, a condescending, harassing provision that implies women don't understand what being pregnant actually is, and that once they find out, they won't want an abortion anymore. Turns out that they pretty much do. But perhaps the ugliest of all is Kasich's 2013 budget. It banned rape crisis counselors from referring victims of sexual assault to abortion services. Tell a woman who's been raped how to end a pregnancy and you lose your funding from the state. John Kasich thinks that women who are raped shouldn't be told where they can get an abortion and he used the power of his governorship to stop it. The 2015 budget included further restrictions to abortion clinics, meaningless requirements masquerading as protecting women's health, and the actual purpose of shutting clinics down. And shut down they have. About half of, Ob of Ohio's abortion providers have shuttered since Kasich took office, and that number could easily rise. That's the real John Kasich, not a friendly dad on the debate stage shaking his head at all the bickering. Not the guy who attended a same-sex wedding once. The one who went and still opposes same-sex marriage. That's who he is. He's that hypocrite. Not the one who st sounds reasonable and kind. The one who keeps rape victims from learning where to end their pregnancies. 
The Republican Party has three choices left. Well, this is in 2016. A man who would fundamentally destroy the values that actually make America great. Well, that's what we got. A conservative true believer who would take America backwards in a thousand directions. And Ted Cruz. That was an article from Rolling Stone in 2016 by Jesse Burney. But we know the end of that story. And that's just who... That's just a little bit of who John Kasich is. Now, let's remember that when he's speaking at the Democratic National Convention and the Democrats are praising him and Joe Biden's reaching across the aisle. This is what we're dealing with. To the rest of the world, it didn't stop it from going to Europe, to us. Uh, They should have stopped it. They could have stopped it. They weren't transparent at all. They were the opposite. Holy shit, shut up. I spoke with the president of France this morning. Not good. Not uh, good. I spoke with the uh, president of Egypt. Oh, shut up, you. We had a very, very good conversation, both of us and uh, uh, all of us and all of us together. I've had many conversations with leaders. Oh, they love you. They love you, Twitler. They just wish you you were leading them. Oh, God. Somebody help me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and cats of all ages, cool cats, stray cats, fat cats, crazy cats, 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 and Tara Jr. Jr. (laughs) We got to say goodbye now, Tara Jr. Jr., Not goodbye forever, just for tonight. What do you think of that? Won't that be nice? Right, little one? You good boy? Are you good? Yes, you are. You're very good. You're my boo-boo. My boo-boo. All right, my friends. Listen, listen, listen. You know, my name is Tara Devlin. I'm sorry. All right, all right. He's not happy sitting like that. He doesn't like sitting like a baby. I understand. He's a grown, he's all grown up. He's a grown boy. He's not a baby boy. So I want to thank you all for hanging out. I'm trying to find you, but I can't. We will have another show. I try to have as many shows as I can. God damn it. We want to have a show every day. And then do the show on the weekends as the weekday special. That's how it has to go. But we need your patronage to do it. Oh, my God. Martin, another super chat? That's been a lot of super chats. Martin has put up many super chats tonight. And you should all be follow his example. You understand? Be like Martin, please, all of you, and Greg. Be like Martin and Greg together, combined. Martin, find, uh, you should join us on our Discord page. In between shows, you can post pictures of your cats and your animals, or animals in general. Say hello, post articles, share stories, selfies, artwork, whatever. We're building a community, the Tarabuster community, and it's fun. So thank you. You guys 
I know. Martin is like making it rain. He's like, mm, 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 mm. oh my God. And there goes Shannon. Another super chat. <laughs> I like that little icon too. It's very cute. A little belly laugh. That's what we need. You guys are great. Go get a good Chinese or Mexican meal. I will. Maybe I'll order some Chinese tomorrow. Vegetarian, of course. But I like vegetarian. You could get vegetarian anything. It's good. It's all good. No animals have to die or suffer. That's funny. Shannon, that little little guy laughing. I love it. You guys are great. And all right, so go to patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. Become a patron. Join our Discord page. What else? Give the show a good review on iTunes and keep coming back. It works if you work it. So work it, you're worth it and live it. Thank you, all you guys on Facebook. John, thank you for hanging out. And thank you, Kirk, for hanging out. Who else is here? Thomas, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Gary, thank you for hanging out. Who else is on this chat? One bad mother, maha. That's somebody on tw on Twitter. Thank you all for hanging. And really, we're on the right side of history. I know we will win. We know it. They know it. That's why they have to keep us, keep lying, keep us divided. You guys are great, though. You make me want to get out of bed in the morning. Sometimes I don't want to get out of bed. Sometimes I'm like, holy shit, where was my grandmother to come take me away in the middle of the night? Take me into the light. And then I, whew, when I see Michael Brooks, I can't, I, I'm shocked again, thinking of, and I also feel that we, ha we are privileged to have another day. Nothing is guaranteed, as we know. I could drop dead tonight. I hope not. I'm sure Michael Brooks, what did he know? He was a young man. He had his whole life ahead of him. So much yet to do. So much that he did do in such a short time, too. He really, he put me to shame, that's for sure. Really, rest in peace and rest in power. We will continue the work in his name. He def definitely made a difference in his short period, in his short life. So I hope to make somewhat of a difference too, as we all do. So that's why we do the show. You guys support the show and we show up and we're in this together because we have a, what do you call it? We have a duty to each other. And thank you very much for always being that power of example for me and reminding me that, yeah, we are in this together. Thank you so much for hanging out. My name is Tara Devlin. We stick together. We win. We are on the right side of history. We are on the right side of democracy. I hope to see you all 
tomorrow night.